I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the LDTRT podcast, a podcast helping you see where industry leaders and legends and entrepreneurial types have started with a new direction and done indeed the right thing along the way. Today I'll be talking with Michael Hand and asking specifically about his journey to date, what the best and the worst things have been about it. Michael, I also want to hear about what you're setting your sights on now and what problem you're setting out to solve in the world. Our journey's crossed over for a few years, so I hope you don't like that as the worst part. <laughs> you're laughing already, you can come back. I'm Adam Hopkinson, the host of this podcast and the founder of LDTRT. Let's do the right thing. For those of you who don't know us, we're a specialist consultancy set to transform businesses by delivering best practice and excellence in the world of digital media. We also have a bit of a passion for blockchain. We have a couple of thanks give straight off the bat. Uh, it's been an absolute delight working with RadioWorks to get this project running, and it wouldn't have happened without them, so thank you indeed. I also have to thank James Carey for providing the music in the background. My brief of making it sound like the prodigy was wisely completely and utterly ignored. Uh, and of course, Michael, thank you for your time today. Here for the very first set of LDT podcast recordings, we have Michael Hand, who's perhaps best known as a European MD for Signal, uh, Data Kings. <laughs> we call you Data Kings? Uh, you can do. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, if you want me to elaborate on that slightly. No. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to really enjoy this. <laughs> Getting lots of, lots of revenge coming back this year. Um, and pre- previously to that, you were a UK MD for Sponge Cell, where you were championing uh, dynamic creative uh, optimization well ahead of its time. I guess you had good training along the uh, journey, right? Mm. Yeah, okay, mm. here we go. <laughs> well, either way, it's a pleasure to have you today. Thank you very much for coming. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm really keen to hear to where you're going and what you've been up to. Um, I suspect that we'll tangent into many directions, as we tend to indeed, and I'm hoping for a couple of dad jokes to uh, to challenge each other with. Um, but let's start with Signal. Um, and maybe GDPR, if we're allowed to say that these days. I don't know. Uh, data is and actually has always been really important in knowing that you're dealing and doing the right thing. But when did you see it as an essential step on your journey? Well, thank you for starting with the uh, the most fun part of my uh, my day-to-day job, yeah. which is GDPR. Let's get what, this out the do way. Do we know what it stands for? Uh, I do. Do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, the GDPR is, um, is, has been, you know, has been an interesting topic and, and forms, you know, the heart of uh, lots of conversations in the data world. I think you know, just just sort of taking a step back, it's interesting that we've um, we've sort of got to this space in the media world um, where you know data's data's being becoming sort of almost a dirty word. Um, I'd love to actually just take the word data out of our conversation today a little bit more because I I actually was quite scared of the data world. It's interesting that my career's kind of ended up here. If you'd have asked me two years ago, five years ago, 
uh, I'd have uh, I'd have been shocked if I'd have I'd ended up in this world. But it's um, it's a path that's kind of um, that's become part of my journey um, and has become more and more prevalent. I think the the interesting thing with GDPR is that you know there's there's a lot of fear around data. Um, and ultimately, um, I think, you know, data's, data's getting itself a bit of a bad reputation. Um, and and uh, maybe a good analogy, maybe a terrible analogy, but sort of data you can almost think about as a, as a kind of knife in that respect. So, you know, knives are seen as a terrible thing, but, you know, knives are also used by chefs across the entire world to create some of the most wonderful, magical dishes you can possibly imagine. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think what, what what makes it exciting and interesting is and tying this back to sort of doing the right thing which which I love by the way is how can we help brands um you know use data in a way that is more thoughtful and respectful than possibly they have done before and also as an industry how do we rethink the interaction that we have with consumers to help them understand data um, and what we're what companies are doing with data in a, in a much better way than we have before and I think there's still a long way to go I think GDPR is the start of that. Um, but, you know, I'm sure it'd be, be interesting to get your take. I know when I, you know, visit various websites still, you kind of go on there, there's something kind of consent that pops up, you oh, get yeah. really frustrated and you just want to get to the bit that you're there for. So you click on anything. <laughs> Which because, websites are we talking well, about? Well, <laughs> um, yeah, lots of lots of very high-end uh, publisher websites, yeah, Adam, for me personally, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that, that experience in and of no, itself, whilst it's, you know, it's taking a... The UX is terrible. The UX is terrible. Yeah, indeed. And I think if you ask the general person on the street, I like to do the, the sort of mum test, if you will, and go home to Manchester and see my mum and see if she understands what, what's happening with your data. Do you know what you're clicking on? Yep. Does any of this make any sense to you? And categorically, no, it doesn't. But the people, I think, just want to get this sort of noise out of the way to get to the stuff they really want to get to. Um, and so you might be ticking a compliance box, but really... Has the experience improved or is it is it worse now than it was before? Indeed. And have you even understood what the compliance box you're ticking is? Absolutely. I don't think people really are. How is Signal leading the way then in, in data and use? And you know, maybe a better answer, of course, a better question there might be, is how are brands adopting your approach? What's, what's really working? Yeah. So, I mean, with, with Signal, for those that um, sort of don't know the business, so essentially we're an enterprise technology that works with brands um, to kind of close the gap on some of the the big players in the space. If you think about the most dominant media players, you've got obviously Google, Facebook, um, but it's really Amazon who I think are, are sort of leading the charge in terms of really maximising the use of customers' data to really give the best and most personalised experience that you can possibly imagine. I mean, you know, if you go to Amazon site, you look at buying anything, you know what you've bought, you know where you get it delivered to, the, the, the level of recommendations is incredible. The amount of personalization when you go to that site, probably for what I see versus what you might see, Adam, might be, you know, and probably will be fundamentally different. So um, as a business, what we're trying to do is help is help brands really own that, that, that customer data, which is, which is typically the most unique thing that they have access to. So the way that a brand and a person interact and engage is, is, a, is a very, very critical and unique thing. Um, so what we're able to do is help um, really tie that relationship much more closely together. Um, and I think what we're seeing now and what brands are really adopting is using this first as, um, you know, we've talked about GDPR, hopefully we won't talk about it for the entire session, but um you know, it's thinking about privacy by design as the first as the first step on that journey. So, you know, by by understanding what our customers are doing, how do we use that information in a way that is 
um, is first of all compliant, is safe, protects our customers. So if you opt out of marketing, we don't market to in a certain way. Um, and then really on a positive side, how do you really personalize that experience and give give you more of the things that you actually really want when you come to visit us as a business? Um, and, and really, a business like Amazon has completely changed the game now. I mean, I was buying something for a, for a, my wife's car on Sunday, um, and it was about 11 o'clock on Sunday. Clicked on Amazon, and it was, it was delivered to my front door at 4.30 that same that day same on day. a Sunday. Amazing. And it's, and, and it's just mind-blowing. But if you think about what that experience does, it, it changes the psychology of what I now expect and what's possible. And so every other business now rightly or wrongly, is playing catch-up with that experience. So, you know, if we put 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 aside, you know, how, how data might be being misused by some of the, the bigger businesses, I think there's such uh, an incredibly positive thing that you can take this information and data to use to then personalise experiences. It's a really interesting path that you've taken, you know, from media owner, um, creative delivery, so maxing or maxing out or mixing uh, creative and the data behind that to deliver the relevant message to people. Um, when did you realise that you were really onto something by investing in data and who are using it the right way? I mean, I remember when we were both at IGM being asked by a very significant buying group if I could sell our data to an agency. And I asked them, you know, okay, yeah, sure, I'm sure we can do, but how do you want it? And they said, well, just uh, cut and paste it into a spreadsheet and send it over and we'll send you a check. And I, okay, well, that doesn't really work. Um, come a long way, right? So when you are talking about data, how does that data work and how is it used and how does it actually get transferred between the people who are using it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely moved on uh, a large degree, I think it's fair to say, from those days, I think. Absolutely. Um, could have faxed yeah. it, right? Could have faxed it, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think the, the the whole data the whole data world's fascinating. I mean, I'm you know probably twelve months into working solely in that space, and I think the the, the learning curve from my perspective has, has has been pretty sharp in that time as well. Um, in terms of the like the the way data is collected and used, I mean, there's the, the interesting thing is it's there's so many different ways that data the data moves about still that legacy way of what's now what's called batch data movement which is literally a spreadsheet going from one place to another place still exists we sort of tend to call that sort of slow data or offline data um and then depending on you know the the, the numerous different sources of where data is being collected then a lot of a lot of data can be collected in real time as well um essentially i mean i i you know just yesterday actually i was talking to a a, a a fairly a fairly new business that you know is is trying to solve a, a separate problem in the data world which is there's there's data in so many different places how do you even just bring that into one place and make any sense of it whatsoever and it feels like quite a simple problem to solve but no one's no one's really capable of doing that um so i think there's there's definitely challenges in the data world there's so, you know there's so much of it there's more of it uh, every single day um, so I think the challenge in the data space is really not just uh, it's like how do you get the data in? What's the right speed? What's the, from our perspective with clients we talk to? You know, speed is is becoming a critical thing. So you know, everyone talks about real time. Whether that's um, you know to serve you in media, if that's to serve you a message because you've just bought something here, so we want to upsell you here. Um, you know, in the gaming space, you know, if you want to, if you want to. Uh, you've got an accumulator on, for example, you might want to upsell you into a, a, a different uh, horse that you could back in that particular race. You know, there's some really smart stuff you can do, but immediacy is really, really key. So, you know, we talk about slow data, so you can still do these, you know, 
exciting spreadsheets that uh, you know smarter people than me get very engrossed in. Um, but there's a, there's a there's a I th- I'd say the the biggest piece is all about access to real time data and then how do you make sense of that? What do you then do with it? Some of the bigger challenges that brands are uh, are trying to solve, I guess. There's a little bit of doubt being cast over the value that agencies offer clients at the minute. Um, the, the broader part of this question is, do you think that this status is recoverable from and, and how will agencies be shaping themselves in five years' time? Do you think there's a skill that they're going to be looking for? Um, you know, do Will data understanding and data planning and actually being able to use numbers be the thing that agencies differentiate themselves from? Uh, yeah, I mean the data. You know, the agency world is, uh, as you know, probably better than I is. You know, constantly evolving. I think they've done an incredible job of reinventing themselves um, historically, and I don't think that's going to change. I think, um, you know, if we just take data out of it for for a moment, I think you know the the transactional nature of being able to just you know make money off buying and selling media. I think is is, is slowly being eroded. I think we're seeing that, but I think um, you know some of the agencies that that we engage with. Are actually doing some pretty smart things um, and changing some of the models that they're looking at. So you know, I guess the the simple way of saying, "Here, Mr. Advertiser, if you give me a pound, I'll get I'll get you three pounds back." I, I think there'll always be a, a sort of market for that um, in a very crude way. I think there's other agencies that have sort of expanded into more of a consultancy um, space, which seems you know particularly smart. I think they've they've done some really good work around. Um, being a sort of advisor that is um, is able to add value to um, to that client. So obviously the the speed at which brands are now talking about in housing and seeing success from it is being, you know, I think is is being PR'd a lot at the moment, um, and we've seen that story. But I also think that um, uh, what what you don't see from from particularly from the agency world is that this sort of pivot now to you know, be an extension of that that client's team to be able to do a lot of the work that they actually don't have the skill set to do. Um, you know, whether that's more of the strategic work or planning and thinking, uh, rather than just the the simple transaction. I think that's really key. Um, you know, an agency I, I work pretty closely with has pivoted into sort of you know from media buying into influencer marketing, for example. Um, another partner that we work with is in the data space has said, okay, well, look, we'll, we'll help manage your first party data uh, and customer information in a really smart way. But what we'll also do is add value by through different layers of service and strategy that sit beyond that um, and merge it with, with information we have from other clients that sit within the agency group as well. So there's, I think we're seeing lots of ways that agencies are now having to be creative to drive um, commercial value. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, what's be interesting to get your take on this. What what have you seen from um, the agency world? I don't know. I haven't thought about it at all. It was a question that <laughs> I had written down for, for you. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with what you're saying. I think the agencies are going to evolve into um, in, in, evolve rather than involve into a, a bit more of a solution that offers consultancy that uses data that understands how to connect with consumers. But I think one of the pressures that they're going to be under, and it may be just a small one, but is focusing on discoverability of things. Um, I, I've started watching a lot of YouTube and I get really frustrated with the engine that runs behind it, recommending things for me based upon what I've seen previously which kind of limits me from exposure to everything else that's out there. And I just want to have a browsing mentality. Um, 
And I wonder whether the the over-reliance upon data stops us um, making accidental mistakes to discover new things. Yeah, you know, yeah the, know. the serendipity piece. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I remember there was an ad a few years ago about um, Liam Perrin's sauce. Uh, you know, the, 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 it's kind of like used as a the example was using it as a, as an ingredient into chili, and it's not on the list for chili, but they'd knocked it over and it fell in there, and actually, wow, that was the lovely best chili I've ever had in the world. You know, so by did kind of success by accident, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want everything to be prescribed and engineered for me. I want a little bit of, as you say, serendipity. Yeah, yeah. But it was a big word that I didn't know. <laughs> no, look, I, I agree. I think you know. Whilst you know, whilst whilst I work in the data space and lots of what we talk about on a day to day level is about personalization, I think there's also a huge amount to be said for like one to many marketing. And we talk about, you know, we talk about trust with brands and we talk about um, you know, how how does how does an interaction make you feel when you when you see something? But if you're if you're part of something that's not just to you, and I think lots of brands are building trust in different ways by, you know, if you see some uh, someone advertising in an outdoor billboard and lots of people see that the perception of that brand builds greater trust than if you're just seeing something on your desktop targeted to you and I think you know it's an interesting dilemma for for sort of for, for marketing in just just one platform in and of itself on a one-to-one level I think people love that 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 feeling of like well if 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 many people are seeing this then it, it I think it just creates some a slightly different feeling, and and certainly on the trust level, I think it's um, it raises some interesting questions as well. I completely agree, and you know, it, then bringing coming this back to um, what you said earlier on about like a universal platform for data. Do, do you think that there is a? Do you think that will ever happen? A all radio data added into one place, all listening data, all mobile data, all all movement data, health data, you know, all, all in one place. All in one place. Can we have it all there? I mean, I mean, if thinking about where the world is now and how fragmented all these different data sources are, I'd be, uh, I'd be shocked. Um, I'd be shocked. I mean, you know, who can predict the future? I've no idea. I'd be, but it, I just think that you know, if we th- it, the way that data is thought of um, and is being, you know, is held onto by the biggest businesses in on the planet, I just can't see there being one data source that everyone would ever have access to because that is the competitive advantage for many businesses now. Hmm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And I guess that means that someone somewhere knows everything about you. I think that something I heard was that you only have 21 pieces of data, any 21 pieces of data that you can combine together to be able to identify an individual. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think you touched on um, sort of health data, for example. I think that is a, just such a fascinating space actually yeah. at the moment. Um, actually, as we're sat here, I've, I've, uh, I've got a bit of wearable technology on at the moment. So without boring the listeners to tears with my health problems, now I've just turned 40. But, <laughs> yeah, bad know, back. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually... Your knees that, have gone. Yeah, no, it is actually a bad back. So, really? you know, I had a hip replacement uh, 18 months ago. I so. do, yes, absolutely. And I still yeah. feel bad about making, <laughs> uh, you're making you walk over to where... I, yeah, anyway, sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've also had this sort of ongoing chronic back pain for a long, long time. Um, but I think what is incredible about the use of sort of technology and where data can be incredibly powerful is right, attached to my back now, I've got this incredibly tiny device at the top of it that is actually a, a posture trainer that basically on my sort of watch and phone for the last three days will be tracking whether my posture is correct or not and then sending me a tiny vibration. Really? If, you, if you go out of alignment to say, okay, well, straighten up, this is, this. you're in the, you're in the wrong position right now. Wow. And this costs 50 pounds from Argos. Is that right? And that, I mean, how crazy is that? Is it, it hackable? Just phone. Can, I, can, I, can, I, can I get into it now? And I just, uh, <laughs> like some sort of voodoo doll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to figure out how I could do that. That's, that's my evening set for today. <laughs> um, how do you, at Signal, value your proposition? Uh, is it outcome-based? Is it treating data as a commodity and brokering it based? Or is it something else maybe a blend of the both i'd say a bit of a blend i think you know we we actually focus um a lot more on actual business outcomes i think that's where i found um being in this space incredibly interesting is you're very very upstream in terms of working with a brand itself to fundamentally address key business challenges um so it might be that you know it might be reactivating sort of how how do you re-engage lapsed customers, yep. how do you drive incremental spend, how do you reduce churn rates, how yeah. do you increase customer basket lifetime drop value. Off. Was basket abandonment, I think. Abandonment is yeah. a key one. But, and it's, you know, and it's fundamentally like how can we, how can we help um, – how can we help a business? And obviously these challenges completely differ by different verticals, um, by, you know, do they have physical stores or not? Are they a digital only player? Um, you know, the sort of list goes on, but it's it, it's a fascinating space where the data is really a, a sort of means to an end. It's not, it, it's, it, it's important and it's an infrastructure, but it's really about how can we help you get from where you are today to, to, to where you need to be by solving some critical business challenges along the way. And I think sometimes... You know, we can play a key role in that, but it's it's very much about partnership as well. That's partnership with the client. It's about bringing lots of internal departments together, which is, you know, put the technology to one side for a moment. I'd say one of the biggest challenges is is, is addressing sort of legacy internal structures um, and ways of thinking and changing that to think in a completely different way. You know, if we just talk about media in a, a simple um, in a simple way for a moment, 
taking you know a business from who may be just thinking by campaign to campaign to creating an always on ecosystem where you're always talking to customers yep. <clears throat> wherever they are across all these different platforms um and then you're taking this historical information that you know about them and it might be where they live what they've bought um and then placing it next to things like context to to then deliver something that that's that's highly relevant to them is it's quite a complex thing to do and it's but i think that's where i get real sense of um, fulfillment and, and enjoyment is not in and of the data itself because I'm I'm definitely not a one as, ones and zeros person. But where I do get very very excited is 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 trying to help a business um, address some of those critical business challenges and 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 seeing the you know when it when it when it really works, it, it's it's a it's, it's a fantastic thing. Is the next step on your career then potentially being able to do this from a client brand perspective? What me in house for within you. a brand? Yeah, I'm mean, just looking at your your journey journey so far. You know, mm. being on a publisher side of things, so understanding the the connection between the media and the consumer, then moving into looking at how you blend the data and the creative together to enhance that message when you're delivering it back out to the consumer, and then looking at the data and figuring out how best to use it potentially for the brand to engage again once again with the consumer. That kind of the, looking at it that way, it looks like there might be a deliberate shift towards a brand. Kind of maybe an Amazon or something. <laughs> I'm trying to get the uh, the reason that you said that a little bit. Um, what do you think? I mean, yeah, yeah. What, what's next for you? Uh, that's a really good question. I think if I if you know go back to to the start of my journey and you know my my career's gone from sort of paper to to pixels, I guess in in one is one way of looking at it. And I think I think that journey's given me a really interesting perspective um, across lots of different I guess ways of doing things, learning from different people. Learning different, uh, you know, being excited by different things along the way in terms of, um, you know, the magazine, the magazine world, the glossy magazine world, and how how you how you work and engage and operate in that space through to this much more kind of very detailed, complex um, environment in which I operate today. I think um, I think one area that really does excite me though is 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 thinking about. Um, personal development of people and and training um and i think you know if we look at if we look at how business is evolving across you know how many different exciting startups there are and consultancies i definitely sort of foresee a space where we're only going to see more of these really innovative businesses that are led by um you know that have ethics behind them have um you know have 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 quality that that people want to invest in beyond just like you're the cheapest Mm. i think it's you know I, I definitely think that people have a, an important role to play and relationships have a role to play. I think, you know, there's expertise that I think lots of people have who have found frustration in bigger organisations and, and want to, you know, to do something differently. And I think I think that's probably a path I'd, I'd like to go down at some point. So I think probably less, you know, I'll probably eat my words in, in uh, 18 months, but I think for me it would be less in a, a, a big environment, but somewhere I could potentially make more of a difference and feel... Um, like I'm adding value, and 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 I think more on a on a person yeah. on a person level. Great. Yeah. Well, I, I I wish you well. I, I look forward to watching the uh, journey and see, <laughs> seeing how it pans out. Is there a is there is there a, like a mantra that you've lived by? Have you got some DNA throughout you that has been core to everything that you've done? Uh, I, I wouldn't say a mantra as such. I think there's some there's some fundamental um, ways of seeing the world that. Would actually, but you if, don't see the world right, right? I mean, it's you are colorblind. <laughs> I, I just made that, that up. No, that is very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all in black and white. Yeah, <laughs> um, 
But no, I think you know, I think my mum takes a huge amount of credit actually for 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 sort of shaping my, I guess, very positive, optimistic sort of can-do approach to things. Um, you know, I remember, I, I just I remember from being a very, 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 very small boy. The, you know, I'd say something as a sort of throwaway comment, and she'd straight be straight back at me and say, "Of course you can. Why can't you do that?" Um, which was quite unusual actually from you know from where from where I started and at that time. Um, and I think that's that's kind of been something that has really helped me. I think it's something I honestly still wrestle with. I think there's still a some sort of limiter or handbrake in my brain somewhere that hasn't quite made me brave enough to go and launch a business or do something. And I'm I'm definitely trying to work through that um, to uh, to kind of move those I guess move those limiters out out of the way. Um, but um, so definitely a mantra of like just do it just do it yeah yeah be be curious all the time i've been you know i think that's been one of my i i i just love asking questions i remember and this would be for people of a certain vintage but um you know being a being a mancunian my i you know watched coronation street religiously with my mom from a very young age and there was a there was a character on that called percy sugden who was like this really old nosy guy and um yeah, basically, um, I was in. I just remember vividly being in this class. It was one of these split classes where you, I was the oldest of the younger year, and you had the younger of the older year. And so I'd be. They'd kind of distribute work in two sections. So they tell us what we were doing, and we'd sort of crack on. And then no, I'd I be always. Yeah. I, I, I was obsessively listening to what was going over there, and the teacher at the time nicknamed me Percy, oh, uh, right? the Coronation Street character. And said to my mum that he's he is so he, he said it, he said it in a nice way obviously but but the essence of it was he's a nosy bastard yeah <laughs> um, but it's really really good yeah. like it, and then I think I've always had that level of curiosity that has led me probably to where I am now um, which again you know I I sometimes wake up and think how do, how the hell do I work in you know data I I'm I'm honestly sitting around a table more often than not. And I am the dumbest person in that room because there's some super smart people talking in three-letter acronyms all the time. I think the value I can try and bring back to these kind of meetings and conversations is let's try and ground this back into humanity in, in language that people understand because that's really, really important. Um, and, and you have always been excellent at that. Thank you. Sorry. That's, that's, did you I, say something kind I did. I did. We'll edit, yeah, we'll edit that out. That's, yeah. that's not yeah. going to make the cut. Um. <laughs> Just a couple of quick questions then to, to, to finish off on. Uh, what's the best piece of advice that you've had along your journey? Uh, the best piece of advice I have ever had would be um, don't listen to Adam Hopkinson when Fantastic. he tells you anything. Excellent. Um, if someone offers you a Guinness, definitely say yes. <laughs> um I mean, I I don't think there's necessarily any one piece. I've had. I think what I've tried to do is listen and observe relentlessly, and then filter it and make my own decisions. Make your own decisions, yeah. Um, and that's the only way I think I can I can realistically approach things. I think what I've also tried to do is try and listen and learn from the best people I possibly can. I think you know I think we're in a really exciting age where you know I think podcasts are actually one of my favorite formats of this is you know i used to i used to look at my commute between sort of home and you know getting to work or going somewhere as like oh god i get really frustrated i don't i don't like traveling i'm sure not many people really do but now actually the time i have 
where it's just me and you, you you know you've got kids you probably know what this is like as well and this is you know I love my family dearly I'm very blessed there and work's fantastic but that time in the middle where you can actually you know seek out great content and listen to it is is some of the most special and precious time I actually have and um yeah there's so I'm constantly listening to great advice all the time and scribbling things down I think yeah one bit one one good bit of advice is take notes take, take notes, notes. <clears throat> yeah uh, very simple but it, it it surprises me how few people actually do it. Really simple. It's helped me a lot. Okay, terrific. We, I had a had a really interesting piece of advice from a uh, a colleague that we shared, Chris Shepson. Um, he well. he told me once, just you know, chill out a little bit and try and enjoy the journey as well as getting to the destination. So you know that that's kind of that's 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 resonated with me a little bit. And one of the other things that that I've really learned is to have an exceptional plan B. Because plan A never really works out exactly <laughs> as you want it to. So <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you say that. I, I had uh, sort of contrary advice to that a couple of weeks ago, which was never have a plan B because if you do, it means that you're not focused hard enough on plan A. Oh no! Which, well, I, don't, I, don't I mean, know you know, know. <laughs> who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? I mean, it's Me. tough, isn't it? <laughs> um, who's the best person you ever worked with? Adam Hopkinson. Yes! <laughs> I was going to keep going down into saying, who's the best person called Adam you've ever worked with? That was a real present moment, wasn't it? The, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah who's I love the best it. person in this room? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably got to be a wrap now because you, I, t- I think I got the bit that I wanted, which was right at the very end. <laughs> Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking time out. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's always a pleasure to see you. Um, and now actually to even listen to you. So thank you. Absolute pleasure. To hear more, subscribe to the show. And why not leave us a nice review while you're there, as it helps others find us. Let's Do the Right Thing was devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson and was a Maple Street Creative production. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.